Oh Lord, it, it gives that nah, nah. No, don't get us canceled again. No, Every episode. Gonna, listen, don't let my blackness get us in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> to another episode of Black in Real Life, where we have candid conversations about love, life, and the pursuit of blackness. I am Yoli. And I'm Kristen. What up, Kristen? What up, Yoli? We made it to another year. Oh, yes. The, 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 I call it Happy Fiscal New Year. That's, that's how do, I feel about it right now. You do call it that. Um, I'm excited, man. Like, all the hopes that... And- and you know wishes i had for 2020 i'm holding them over for 2021 it's gonna be an amazing year and yeah i'm ready to just jump into the conversation so today we're discussing common black foods we eat in the myths and stories behind them so according to the spruceeats.com they had an article called why are black eyed peas good luck The practice of eating black-eyed peas for luck is generally believed to date back to the Civil War. Originally, they were used as food for livestock and later as a food staple for enslaved people in the South. Because of their lowly reputation, the Union Army troops of General Sherman ignored the fields of black-eyed peas while raising and stealing other crops. During the harsh winter, the Confederate soldiers survived on the remaining black-eyed peas, promoting this humble and nourishing legume into a symbol of fortune and prosperity in the American South. What does tradition say you should eat with black-eyed peas? Today, the tradition of eating black-eyed peas for the new year has evolved into a number of variations and embellishments of luck and prosperity thing, including served with grains, collards, mustards, or turnip grains, which varies regionally. The peas represent coins and the greens represent paper money. In some areas, cabbage is to be used in place of the grains. Cornbread, often served with black-eyed peas and greens, represents gold. For the best chance of luck every day in the year ahead, one must eat at least 365 black-eyed peas on New Year's Day. Black-eyed peas eaten with stewed tomatoes represent wealth and health. In some areas, actual values are assigned with black-eyed peas, representing pennies or up to a dollar each, and the greens represent anywhere from one to a thousand dollars. Adding a shiny penny or dime to the pot just before serving is another tradition practiced by some. When served, the person whose bowl contains the penny or dime receives the best luck for the new year. Unless, of course, the recipient swallows the coin, which would be a rather unlucky way to start off the year. The catch to all these superstitions is that black eyed peas are the essential element and eating only the greens without the peas, for example, will not do the trick. So I definitely subscribe to this tradition and I love black eyed peas, like love them. I don't even eat them just this time of year. I eat them year round, not every single like week or month, but they're dispersed throughout the year. Is this a tradition that you hold up, madame? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Not gonna lie. Saw a meme that spoke to my soul and it said, the only way you're supposed to eat black eyed peas. And it was a paper plate face down in the garbage can because black eyed peas are gross. 
I could barely eat pinto beans with, you know, my Mexican cuisine, let alone eating uh, black eyed peas on purpose. No, not the kid. Sorry. Can we like replace them with something? Or- my mom actually grew up eating and making cow peas. And that's what she typically prepares as an alternative. You have to have my black eyed peas because mine's Mine are delicious. Like they really are. Like I make them, I season them well. Like have you had well seasoned? The texture. I think black eyed peas taste like seasoned chalk. Oh Lord. It it gives that. No, she gonna get us canceled again. Every episode. Listen, don't (laughs) let my blackness get us in trouble. It's you know it's a different kind of blackness. I I be honest. Nope, not not a fan of the black eyed peas. Now greens, I will tear up some greens all day, okay. every day, any time of the year. Um, but I have to say, just randomly, I found out lately that the greens my mom prepares, which I thought was like hot fire, they are the most unhealthiest greens known to man. Ooh, she got the ham, huh? Oh my god, <laughs> smoked so turkey, so butter. I said, oh. This this not healthy. Like I I just kind of <laughs> snuck and watched how she made them, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I'm thinking I'm eating healthier because I'm eating greens. No, this had all of the fat and all of the. It was the most unhealthiest pot of greens I've ever seen in my life. But they tasted fire. They of tasted course they fire. did. So I like to do uh, like my mom used to make them and my grandmother used to do like the mix of greens. So the collards and mustard and the turnip greens. This year I did uh, mustard and collard greens, which I love together. So and I have my black eyed peas and I have my brown rice. Wait, I have a question. Can you really taste the difference between turnip and mustard greens or is it just the texture of the leaf? I think it's both for me because I am very nuanced with my food. I am a foodie. I am a chef, if you will. And I noticed the distinctions in all of the foods, uh, but there, I haven't had turnip greens in so, so long. That's like, so, so long. That's so weird. Like I just realized over the holiday, uh, just, it just came back to memory. My grandmother had mentioned something like, oh, I don't eat those type of grains. I only eat mustard. And it never dawned on me. Some people prefer you know, collards to mustard or mustard to turnip. And I can't tell the difference in none of them. Probably because I it's, usually have like lard and all sorts of bacon and ham juice over it. It's just a grainy leaf. Well, just like some people don't like black eyed peas, you know, those people. Because they're, they're gross. They're not <laughs> So you notice how... A lot of Black delicacies and traditions are based in other people, other folks rejecting them and us taking those things and making something out of nothing, alleged, like allegedly out of nothing, but harvesting things that others would discard or ignore and us making it a thing. That's what we do, baby. That's what we do. It's very Black. <laughs> it's very Black. Listen, it's you give very us... Black. So, Kristen, I had a wonderful opportunity to speak with Robin Sparks of collardsaretheoldkale.com about the origin of Black food delicacies. Many of us have heard the stories and some of us have been lucky enough to inherit recipes from the past, from our grandparents and aunties and uncles, collard greens, yams, and cornbread. 
I actually inherited my grandmother's cornbread stuffing recipe. Robin, when did and how did Black soul food develop in the Americas? Well, I obviously soul food developed out of necessity. And I think because most of the enslaved folks that were brought here to North America, they were from West Africa. They were from Guinea. They were from Cameroon. They were from Nigeria. Um, I, some of my ancestors came from Gabon. So even a little further South, which I thought was unusual figures for our family. But I think the people were trying to have some sort of connection to what they ate back in West Africa. And at the same token, they were learning or acculturating new food items such as corn. So we know that African-Americans eat and consumed a lot of corn products that came straight from, again, from the native people here. They learned, they learned those traditions. So again, it was a combination of necessity. It was a combination of familiarity. Those two things resulted in what I think is the best food and what some people arguably say is really the only American cuisine, the only true American cuisine. And that's, well, I guess I shouldn't say the only, but it's a dominant force. It's a dominant force in the American culinary tradition, African-American cuisine, yeah. I mean, what else have we done that? We've done that with food, clearly. Right. Um, but I'm still not eating no chitlins. I don't care. Nope. Nope. What, nope. I don't, nope. I don't nope. care. I will starve before I eat a chitterling. <laughs> and that's and that's on my mama. Ooh. She's like, nope, not today. With that being said, we have done that a lot with everything. And I really enjoy that black eyed peas are a food staple. Now the other part of the traditions I don't necessarily know about. Like I didn't know black eyed peas eaten with stewed tomatoes represented wealth and health. I can't eat tomatoes currently. So that's not part of my thing. So, but I feel like I'm going to be wealthy and I'm going to be healthy because I definitely did eat a lot of collard greens and I definitely ate black eyed peas like several days after like new year's day, post new year's day, like I, I feel, I feel wealth. I feel rich. It was a, a combination of us getting our black superhero powers and eating the black eyed peas and the collard greens really set me on another level apart from everyone else. So, is there anything else in these traditions that you actually subscribe to? Like, I do mean, you eat the cornbread? So y'all might as well be ready to take my black card now because oh, I Lord do Jesus. not like cornbread. Don't like it. Don't like it. <laughs> give me, give me all the greens. I will eat greens. I will make it rain with the greens because I do enjoy me some a good pot of greens. But cornbread, no, thank you. I'll pass. And my grandma makes bomb cornbread. Not a fan. So I guess I'm gonna just be representing a real rich in paper because um, tomatoes, not a huge fan. Um, cornbread, not a huge fan. Pinto beans, not pinto beans. Black eyed peas, definitely not a huge fan. Um, putting pennies or dimes in pots of food, I'll pass. You could catch salmonella. I don't care if you soak that sucker in <laughs> bleach, not a huge fan. 
So I am calling my lawyer today (laughs) and we will have a legal separation until you fix your palate because cornbread is delicious, delicious. It is from the earth and the indigenous people harvested the corn and presented it to the white people who also gave them smallpox. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Doesn't sound like it was a fair trade-off to me. No. But corn, I love, like, cornbread is like, I don't know. So growing up, the cornbread mix was giffy. I don't make, I make cornbread from scratch. In fact, now I don't even use corn. I use other things, but give it, it gives the same flavor. And I get my corn from like a local farmer who dries them after the season, after the summer is over. So it's like real corn, cornbread. It is delicious. I like, what about cornbread? Don't you like Kristen? I need like texture. It's texture. It's texture. Like I don't like, this is gonna sound so foul. I don't like stuff crumbling in my mouth. Like unless I chew it, <laughs> unless I chew it to instigate the crumbling or the, I don't like it. Oh, don't so like then, it. So then you don't like cornbread uh, stuffing, or as you call it, dressing. Dressing is different because everything that you add to the dressing, it gives dressing a different texture than I think dressing has a different texture than stuffing. To be honest, I think stuffing has more of the cornbread crumbles and stuffing is more of a not stuff. Uh, dressing is more solid. So I enjoy dressing, not a fan of stuffing or cornbread that crumbles in your mouth. I just had to take a moment of silence. <laughs> just, just to saying. pray. Now, what other black food delicacies do we have on our menus? It is the most polarizing food that we can think of. Chitlins. <laughs> well, again, as we know, enslaved folks ate what they could. You know, and it's the same thing today. If you're on a budget or if you are challenged financially, you know, it's, it's a diet of necessity. I, I do know that the African-American heritage diet was primarily plant-based and slaves, enslaved people were allowed to have their own small gardens to augment whatever they were given by the, the master of the plantation. So I know that the tradition is primarily plant-based. So they were eating green, lots of greens. Of course, we just mentioned lots of sweet potatoes, lots of cornbread, lots of um, fresh tomatoes and cucumbers in the summertime, lots of peas, which are really legumes or beans. But the chitlins, I think, you know, as we both know, you gotta, you got to fortify your diet with some protein and Beans and peas are plant-based proteins, but I think when they could, African-American people wanted a little meat. And so the chitlin was a part of the pig that was left over that, um, I wouldn't say that whites weren't eating chitlins. I think they, they were too, but I think it was a part of the, of the pig that perhaps the slave master's family 
didn't want to consume. And so that's how we came to consume them. I don't find chitlins aberrant and I don't think they're not necessarily bad for you, but you do have to clean them carefully. And so that's the rub. And I think that's part of, I guess it's part of the bias, but other traditional, other traditions eat chitlins as well. They eat chitlins in Asia. I've seen them in Japan. They eat chitlins in, in Mexico. So, and those the folks that migrate here to the United States, they, they still consume those things. So we're, we're not the only people that ate the whole animal from the rooter to the tutor, as one of my friends would say. And so, you know, chitlins, I, I, I think they get a bad rap. I, they can be delicious, especially with a little hot sauce on them. But I think not everyone knows how to prepare them or handle them. And so if you don't know what you're doing, you probably should, um, either consult somebody or, or tread like tread carefully because <laughs> you can I mean they you know it is their pig intestines so but I don't have on my menus I don't I don't believe in chitlins I think they that is sacrilege uh I just don't know just not for me have you ever had them ever no I can't get over the smell and I've heard if they, if I've heard if you cook them properly, they don't have a smell. I once had a client who uh, owned a what is it called when it, uh, not a meat processing but a deli. He not a deli, but like where they sell meat, where they slang the meat, and they had a commercial, <laughs> a butcher, it, a butcher. Oh well, yeah, a butcher. Okay. Slang the meat. Slang the meat. And he had a commercial and it had chitlins in it. Uh, I don't want to like disturb our listeners, but I am quietly and silently throwing up in my mouth right now because there is nothing more grotesque than eating the intestines of a pig. I mean, unless you're a cannibal and if you eat people, then. Say it, sister. Then I guess. Say it, sister. Yeah, it's not really like it's not my thing. Uh, I'm not knocking other people who like it. That is your preference. It is personally not. Well, I don't eat pork. So there that eliminates that as even an option for me. Now, some of the other delicacies that we can reflect on. Have you ever had the delectable salmon croquette? I'm black. I don't know what a no. See, that must sound so ignorant. No, I've never had a salmon croquette. Like a salmon I've, patty? Like it's I've like had, cra- I've had a what is it called? Not the crab, not a crabby patty. <laughs> that's SpongeBob. <laughs> a crab cake. <laughs> a crab cake. I've had a crab cake before. So you've never had a salmon cake. I've never had a salmon cake. Is this a Detroit? Like, I need my Detroit. No, listen here. Let me know. I li- I born and raised in Detroit, but I also lived in Charlotte for several years. The mm-hmm. South, where all of the Southern fixings were practically created and disseminated across the country. And I lived in New York. So I've had a, a vast area or I've had different varieties of food. I just like what I like. And okay. I have no no reason to try to taste something or or you know say i enjoy something that i honestly don't wow okay let's move on have you had lima beans 
Oh, Lord, I guess we just taking all of the black cards because I honestly, when I was mentioning black IPs, I was going to say lima beans is another thing I'm not a fan of. Um, and it's a texture thing for me. Okay. It's that, you, and you know, they have similar textures. So I'm not a yeah. fan of that. But All oddly right. enough, I'll eat a kidney bean and like chit and like chili. Really? Yeah. I'll eat a kidney bean and chili. I've even made some uh uh pinto beans. Like a few weeks ago, I did like uh some beans and rice. And that was good. But so basically it has to be mixed with something else. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I can just eat it by itself at all. All right, so let's talk about the illustrious potato salad. What are your thoughts on potato salad, Kristen? (laughs) Yo, so I like potato salad. I'm not a super fan of potato salad, but my mom is. Like, you know, when you think about your... Thanksgiving meals or holiday meals, it's typically, you know, turkey, maybe ham, uh, uh, yams, macaroni and cheese. But my mom always seems to like throw her potato salad into the mix. And I'm not a huge fan. It's good. I don't think it's like a necessary like requirement. Like we could do in in the United States of America and all things black, we could probably do without the potato salad. And this wow. by no means has anything to do with Karen and Karen. her filing of the potato salad. But honestly, potato salad is not a necessary requirement. As long as we got macaroni and cheese, we kind of have the starch game on lock. And that's, you know, that's just my take on it. What about you? I love potato salad. I don't have it often because I don't eat potatoes currently. So I've substituted it with like yucca and such. But yeah, it's not like, like you said, it's not a requirement, but it's a good add-on. It's like a good, it's like a, I treat it more like a condiment rather than like a side dish per se. So that's That's, one thing. That's a good description. It's a condiment. Yeah. So where would you say some of the more popular recipes develop? Is it like a, something that developed over time? So like sweet potato uh, casserole or candied yams, as some would say, how did these become staples in the black soul food uh, culinary lineup? The sweet potatoes obviously were definitely uh, throwback to West Africa. People were looking for yams and and that sort of connection. But then it evolved. Now, my mother, for example, will still, she prefers just a whole sweet potato baked. That's perfectly fine for her. And if you read in some of the enslaved monologues, they called them slave monologues, that were recorded by the WPA, by the federal government, the Roosevelt administration in the 1930s, when they talked to some of the formerly enslaved people, they talked about sweet potatoes being a snack or being a meal, just a whole baked sweet potato. And even my mother, who grew up in Mississippi, said late at night, she would stay up reading and her father might want a late night snack. And that would be the snack. You take a whole sweet potato and just throw it right into the coals of the fireplace and bake it. So sweet potatoes, there's that natural connection from West Africa. 
Oh, oh my, one of my favorite things I haven't had in so long. Banana pudding. How do you feel about it? Sweetheart, I think I gained all 20 pounds from the pandemic based on banana pudding. Really? Do you make yours or did, were you buying it? M- make. So, okay. During my time in New York, I absolutely just, oh God, I worshipped. During my time in New York, I absolutely worshipped Magnolia Bakery because they have the absolute best banana pudding in the world. And I've had, let me be clear, I've had some good banana pudding, like church mothers on a Sunday making the desserts after church. Like I've had some just amazing banana pudding. However, Magnolia Bakery has it on lock. They actually, and I don't know if they did it or someone else did it, published the Magnolia Bakery banana pudding recipe online earlier last year, earlier in 2020. So for a hot minute, that was like all the rage. Everybody was making banana pudding the same way they were making sourdough bread. And, you know, early in the pandemic, me and my mom, my mom was staying over at my house and we were like, let's go for it. So she made a batch and it was by far the craziest amazingness. It was like, it was like heavenly butter and clouds of whipped cream and just all sorts of deliciousness and just a bowl. So after her third batch of uh, banana pudding, we decided to kind of take, take a chill pill on it, you know, chill out. But then like right before the holidays, she came back over and we were back at square one. I think we went through like two batches. She even made like a batch for her friend at work and it was a thing. And the crazy thing about this whole scenario and my obsession about uh, banana pudding is I'm not even a huge banana fan, but I love, absolutely love. I think it may have taken over as my number one favorite dessert in the world. And it's really? taken 30 something plus years to take that that number one spot. And banana pudding has it. I do love it. I, I, my grandmother used to make it. My mom used to make it. I can't wait to have desserts again because I'm sugar free. And yeah, I love banana pudding. It's, I haven't found a way. I need to find that recipe. That's what I really need to do. Is it like completely from scratch? It's completely from scratch. I mean, I, I mean, you, the vanilla wafers are Nilla. Wafers, okay. Yeah, but... I need to find that recipe and veganize it because the my heart the hard time I was having was getting the pudding to have that vanilla flavor without using like the the instant pack of banana pudding. Oh no no no! Well, it it really depends on the pudding you use. Um, I do believe she added actual vanilla extract, and then another thing she did, which gave a little bit of like elevated, listen to me, it elevated the flavor is she soaked the bananas in lemon. And apparently oh, that's interesting. Yeah, apparently that's supposed to keep the bananas from going brown. Right. But it also just gives another layer of flavor with and it doesn't taste like a lemon banana pudding. It definitely is all the way banana vanilla flavored. But it gives another layer that just says, hmm, this this is delicious. Oh, wow. Okay. I would not have associated the two, but I definitely am going to look for that. 
I literally blame my whole new wardrobe of gray sweatshirts and gray sweatpants to banana pudding. Like I dedicate my entire wardrobe of sweats to banana pudding because it did a whole lot of damage <laughs> to my waistline <laughs> and everything else. <laughs> to her waistline, to her behind. It did. It, even though, you know, I'm okay with the, the, the behind part. But Y'all the waistline, it, it, oh man, it trashed my waistline. Uh, the other delicacy, well, is sweet tea considered a black delicacy? It is. And this is the only, re- well, okay, for example, I didn't get hip to sweet tea until McDonald's started serving sweet tea and this was like way back in like 2005 2006 and thought it was the most delicious thing in the world moved down to charlotte which i swear had to originate the sweet tea because it was like the sweet nectar of the gods down in queen city um charlotte has amazing sweet tea but i also feel like uh chick-fil-a which i've also found when i was in charlotte just spread that whole ministry to the world and sweet. And when you come, when it comes down to sweet tea, I love me some Chick-fil-A sweet tea. We don't talk about that. Those people in on this oh. podcast. Oh, okay. We don't That's talk okay. About- <laughs> <laughs> My bad. However, I will say if you really fancy um, sweet tea and lemonade, I found out. When I lived in Charlotte, they called it oh, Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer, ma'am. Yeah, yes. It's called an Arnold Palmer. And it is absolutely delicious. Yeah, there's so many. Okay. I do not eat meat, but I do remember a time in my meat eating days of smothered things. So would it be smothered pork chops, smothered, I don't know, what else was smothered? Smothered chicken. I feel like that's a, a, a black delicacy, is it not? Anything smothered in gravy is like black victory. That is definitely a Southern black delicacy. But you're killing me, Smalls, because as a person who's currently juicing and not eating any food, just the mere mention of like, smothered pork chops and smothered chicken like has me salivating like I have the extra juice mouth over here because just that's that's black excellence personified makes me want to make smothered um not smothered but just gravy and biscuits like I love biscuits I okay I'm a carbitarian that's really what it is I love carbs in all forms it's a thing. I've I've managed my addiction really well over the pandemic. But biscuits? You give me a a real biscuit? I'm putting I'm like freaking Forrest Gump. I'm like biscuits and gravy, biscuits and jelly, biscuits and honey. I can eat a biscuit. Like I literally, if I made a pan of biscuits, I probably would eat the entire thing by myself. Which is why I don't eat bread currently. Because, okay, I'm a weirdo. I'm I was the weird kid who used to take Wonder Bread, just the plain Wonder Bread. Sometimes I would put butter in it. Sometimes I wouldn't, and I would ball it up and make like a little like bread bread pie. 
Oh my god, Yoli. Yoli, me too. However, <gasps> this is this is the difference because I'm a, I'm a little bit also a type personality, so I wouldn't do a ball. I would do a square. And you do oh. that by play I would make bread squares by smushing the bread in between your index finger and thumb finger. And between both hands and you create a square. And I used to kill me some bread squares and you Yo, your bread balls. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that is a, that is, is that black? That's black. That's totally black. But how the hell did you get the square shit? Okay. That's another conversation for another day. A type personality, man. That's She's like, I made I a square. And of course we've talked about it before. So someone mentioned to me that creamed corn is like a soul food, like black delicacy is that like have you are aware of this no not aware um i probably had cream corn maybe four three or four times in my life not a huge oh no i'm not gonna say i'm not a huge fan of it i can only eat small portions of cream corn so it's Um, a condiment again it is definitely a condiment for sure yeah i've never had it fresh i've always had it in a can younger days at like somebody's church like it was always included in somebody's church dinner where okay what's what's the side for tonight oh okay cream corn sure i'll 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 take it i guess all right obviously this episode is not for my vegan friends uh (laughs) this is not today we're we're exploring the past so also not least because of this last fried chicken and fried catfish. I loved it. Love it still because I think it's the seasonings and the fried. Yeah. I love fried food too, man. I miss fried food, but the whole point I'll have it like once in a blue moon, like really once in a blue moon, like frying anything, but yeah, fried chicken, fried catfish. My mom could turn up. So my grandma, anything fried in that region. What about you? I love me some good fried fish. I love me some good fried chicken. However, I do not like the smell of either in my house. Really? You don't like this? Like, I love the smell of seasoning. That's really what it is. It's not weird. It's weird. I think like the older I've gotten, I just, I'm very sensitive to scents and the, the fried chicken smell. I remember as a child, I used to love, adore, worship, the scent of fried chicken in the house. However, now it's like, ugh, open a window or something because this fried chicken or this fried fish smell ain't it at all. Is it the oil smell? Like the oil. The oil. The oil. It is. It's just the scent of it. It's the scent of fried chicken and fried fish. I don't wow. like it. I didn't okay. want it in my house. But you'll eat it though. Tear it up in a heartbeat. So as you can see, as Black people, we are not a monolith. We are a variety of textures and flavors, especially reflected in our food. And as we continue to grow and enhance our superpowers, we will have more foods to offer. And none of them will have raisins. Well, except for bread pudding. Bread pudding has raisins in it. Bread pudding pudding has raisins. 
And bread pudding is delicious. It is amazing. But oh, you know yeah. what? No matter how much of a trendsetter we are and how much we can take the scraps and make delicacies, Chitlin still ain't it. Nope. If, if we leave you with anything, just know, Chitlin's, it ain't it. Sorry, Chitlin fans. We we still love you. We do, but no, I'm not bringing that into 2021. Nope. Nope. <laughs> it ain't All it. All the notes. So that has been another episode of Black in Real Life. Follow us on the interwebs at blackinreallife.com. Also, blkinreallife.com. And on the socials like Instagram, Twitter, and the Facebooks at BLK in Real Life. See you on the Black Food side. <laughs> <laughs>